Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, new title, same excellent production qualities, my executive producer, Cameron McCoy. <laughs> Dude, what is up? Not a lot, man. Uh, I am exhausted. Uh, it's been like probably, it's the busiest week of the year, but uh, it's good to be sitting down and um, act like I know what's going on in Magic. Uh, you do though. See, that's <laughs> that's the comforting thing about magic. Maybe a little less comforting of late because of you know Watsy's in general obsession with uh, alchemy and commander and things that maybe don't overlap with the mm. interest of this show. But there still are some st- like spoiler. We're going to talk about the painlands coming back or some of the painlands coming back, and you know that did my heart a solid this week. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. All right, some sulfurous springs. Let's go, you know? Yeah. Um, But hey, before we get into Dominaria United, which is really going to be the focus for the next couple weeks, we've got to talk about it in terms of standard, explorer, pioneer, modern. I don't know that there's anything here that's legacy, but I'm, I'm being honest with all the supplemental products. It's very hard to keep track of what isn't going to end up being in legacy and what's, what's not. For but, sure. Uh, this this is kind of our, we'll call it a kickoff, our Dominaria United kind of beginning of real coverage, kind of where we're headed, what we're thinking about it, um, and just touching on a few cards. But first of all, Cameron, were you able to squeeze in some playing this week? You know, I just this morning played a little um, um, Magic Online, uh, not Magic Online, but some online magic, I should say, and mm-hmm. just squeezed in a couple rounds and... There's nothing new to say. Uh, Explore, good. I like it. <laughs> um, but I am also like I just kind of dug out my my binder and everything, and I'm gonna try to go to an, a legacy thing that's going on this next weekend. Um, it's a slightly larger little tournament sort of thing, so I'm nice. looking forward to that. Um, and playing the, I'm gonna play my Just Guy Control list just because that's what I have, and um, it seems to do be doing pretty well. Um, here's a card that I haven't actually played with and I'm really curious about, um, and it seems to be putting up some results. Timeless Dragon. So it's the, uh, five mana, five casting cost, white, white, um, dragon that has plane cycling and then Mm -hmm. eternalize. So, you know, essentially netting you an additional planes or, you know, whatever you need at that moment, a tundra, um, and then maybe getting a four, four body, late game it seems pretty interesting especially with like a snapcaster mage package um and then it's just super super heavy um planeswalker centric with jace teferi i'm sorry little teferi uh narset and then wandering emperor which continues to just be like this incredible card so i'm looking at this list right now it's speaking to me in a really interesting way um, I'll probably get my butt handed to me, honestly, just because I'm so out of practice with Legacy. Uh, but just looking at this list, it seems like it might be the the thing to try to just show up at a Legacy tournament and maybe maybe win a few games. There you go. You know, you got me actually kind of excited there because I was like, I have a Timeless Dragon. I was just sorting through some of my cards. I was like, ooh, maybe because it's a Legacy playable now, it's worth... No, it's 40 cents. <laughs> so... Um, you know, hey, I guess I'll just be holding that one, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like my it'll it'll go in the same box as all my Doge coin. I'm just holding. <laughs> you and never uh, know, like that rainy you day. Never <laughs> know. You never know. 
Um, well, so Cameron, I, I so first of all, Explorers has just kind of been your main squeeze almost entirely since uh, it, it's been announced, right? Like that's yeah, been the thing yeah. you've been hitting I mean, the most. I've played some Jund uh, in Standard, which I think that Jund deck is like unplayable now. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was interesting at the time, and I feel really bad that I haven't actually put any effort into Standard, and I need to honestly. You know what? You're okay because now it's like. It's basically a lame duck format. Mm. But as a legacy honk, I wanted to ask you about this. So, a legacy controversy emerged this week. I kind of know what your opinion is. I I would almost definitely assume it aligns with mine. But some of the responses to this kind of stunned me. So, there was this thing that happened on Twitter. Uh, Shutter at ShutterMTG posted this. She was at a legacy, or they were at a legacy 5K. And the opponent plays Underground C. <laughs> they ask, hey, is that a proxy? And then the guy goes, uh, no. Um, and uh, essentially, it was the Magic Online exclusive art for Underground Sea. It was a proxy, right? But when you click through these replies, like, and, and people on, in the community, I shouldn't say just the random replies, a lot of people were saying things like, what a scummy move, typical tournament grinder, uh, trying to get a win because the other person couldn't pay for a win. Um, and that kind of astonished me that this was like a pretty common take. Uh, I, I, I just got to say, I 100% would have done this. Yeah. a hundred, uh, 200% would have done this. Where are you at on it, dude? 100%. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you're at a tournament to win. Like, I've... You know, it's not a casual matchup. Like, this isn't, like, just showing up to a friend's house and, like, hey, do you mind if I had to just play with these 10 proxies because there's nothing on the line? There's actual money on the line for this. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the the larger thing that we just will continue to hammer home on is, okay, you can't afford the underground seas. Um and yeah, the rarity of those, it's just going to go up, up, and up from here on out because they're just not getting printed. That is Wizards' fault. The the lack of availability and, you know, not supporting um, the history of the game, not supporting um, their own IP, um, all of that is the problem. Uh, this, this person who's actually playing a legit game of tournament magic, uh, yeah, they should absolutely call this person out for suiting up a proxy card. Yeah, okay, and I, I would argue that when you're playing it in a tournament, it ceases to be a proxy and is a counterfeit. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that is the difference. And so I, I always love this because people are so anti-foil, but then they're pro-proxy, and it's like, if someone were dishonest, a proxy is an easier thing to find in your deck. It's You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to be the same paper quality or thickness or any of those things. Uh, but... I've been, I've played, you know, I'm sure you can listen back to the history of this tournament because there, or this show, there have been legacy tournaments that I've been in that allowed proxies and I hated them. I hated it, hated it, hated it. And it was unlimited proxies because um, they didn't want to restrict anybody in terms of money. Like I think that Tio's heart was in the right place. But what would end up happening is you would just play against the top eight of the most recent legacy Star City Games Open. Yeah. And people would play quite poorly where legacy at that time uh, and maybe still, incentivizes knowing your deck inside and out. 
yep. and knowing the matchups more than any other format, probably in the history of Magic, uh, where I, I would argue Magic is kind of spiraled to much more of a um, create an engine kind of thing, which is like Commander and like that really rough season of Standard, where like knowing like knowing your deck is kind of incidental. Like mm. all you have to do is get a few reps in with Fires of Invention and you kind of get it, yep. right? Like yep. it's not... Um, but there's that element of it Two, let's not act like you don't know that proxies aren't allowed when you sign up for this tournament yeah like those are the stated rules you break the rules and this is not a scummy judge call i've had incredibly scummy judge calls posted against me or put up against me this is not one of them i always have i ever told the jataxian probe story i don't know so i was at a gp and i Cast Past in Flames. This is when Jataxian Probe was legal in Mon- I want to say this was G- uh, GP Omaha. Okay. I cast a Past in Flames. Resolves. I then, in my graveyard, is a Jataxian Probe. I cast the Jataxian Probe. So I take it from my yard. I say, cast Jataxian Probe. Uh, put it into exile. I haven't drawn my card, looked at anything, but I have to put the life, because I paid life, right? So I go to grab my pen. The instant I grab my pen, my opponent yells at, like, the top of his lungs like the the kind of like you have an active shooter kind of yelling <laughs> okay judge in order to try and scare me mm-hmm. and then he he claims that uh i cast that illegally and i told him i just paid the cost blah 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 and then the judge was like did you draw the card and i said no we go back through it of course i didn't draw the card i just mm-hmm. literally but the opponent did it just to try and get me because he knew he was dead yeah and so those are the mm. kinds of things that I think are scummy judge calls. But hey, you appear to be playing with a counterfeit card because it's not even the correct art. I think it's not a scummy call. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's my story there. That's my take. <laughs> Maybe we're just too spiky. But honestly, you want to play with proxies there's or counterfeits or whatever expression you want me to use. There are a million opportunities for you. Yeah, yeah. And it needs to be agreed upon with everybody in that the tournament that that's going to be what's happening but if you're just showing up to determine it and that's not allowed it's not allowed you know yeah and let's let's also say this about the legacy scene there is no group of magic players that is easier to get involved with that is more kind and more giving Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you start playing with a group of guys they're going to help you out they're going to help you either loan the cards find you a discount on the cards because one of their other buddies is selling. like there are ways man if you have a legacy scene you can make it happen so this whole like oh my god well i can't afford two grand of underground seats first of all you don't need them there's a million decks that are much cheaper but secondly Mm -hmm. there are ways not this yeah sorry had to get that off my chest cameron uh all right, so this week I've been playing... I'm ready to declare the best deck in Explorer. Okay. Um, you re- Blue, red, indomitable creativity, no agents of treachery. Okay? Okay. So all you're doing is playing Magnum Opus, Prismaric... So it's just blue, red control, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and all you do is try and set up and it's not that uncommon to turn four Torrential Gear Hulk with a Magnum Opus. And then you can also, you know, Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker combo copy Torrential Gear Hulks to control the board. Okay. Um, the mana, of course, is insane because it's blue red. The, like, the sideboard plan is exceptional against control. You almost always lose game one. And then post that, you are really go- golden. 
You also play Shark Typhoon. So, like, it's just basically a blue-red with a combo element, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, honestly, I, I've not been on a winning streak like this in a while. But I went from bottom gold to mid, like, like whatever the next level up mm-hmm, is. Because mm-hmm. I got tiered, paired way down in the most recent, like, reset. So I was like at the bottom of gold or silver, and I—I I mean, just like cruising through people. Yeah, it is surprisingly good against mono green. It's really good against Thoughtseize decks. Yeah, um, the deck that seems to have beaten me the the most regularly are like mono white Boros kind of aggro-y type things, because they tend to have a little bit more of the hate in that way. But I mean, I—I—it's astonishing how solid this deck is. Um, and you don't need indomitable creativity. There are multiple games I've just controlled the board and won with my little treasure token guy from Fable of the Mirror Breaker, you know? Yeah. So anyway, big, big, big thumbs up for this deck. If you're looking to play competitive Explorer, I think this is a deck you need to look at. Blue-white, obviously. I've really been down on black-red mid-range lately. I think Thoughtseize has kind of taken a slight dip. Mm-hmm. Because of decks like this, and also because of a deck like Mono Green, Thoughtseize is just awful, right? Yeah, Because yeah. everything in their their deck is so replaceable. But Explore is kind of you know carving its own path, and I think there's some interesting things going on here. For sure, Blue Red Creativity, check that deck out if you've got the because like I think there's a bunch of Mythics, right? Because there's four Gear Hulks and four Creativities. And creativities, yeah. But, but that's that's super interesting. I mean, like a lot of this stuff plays in other decks too right so yeah it's very yeah. interesting but like i said people will go way out of their way to shut down your graveyard it's fine yeah yeah like it doesn't just require all that and, and like an alarming amount of people bring in things like graph digger's cage or there's that one stone that says you can't cast stuff out of your library mm. guys i'm playing prismari command you've seen me play <laughs> prismari command don't tap out on turn two or whatever to play your art, hate artifact, because like I've had plays where it's like I Prismari command blow it up, make a treasure. Then on my turn, I'm able to torrential gear Hulk magnum. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. vicious. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I want to talk now a little bit about Dominaria United, Cameron. So very very early stuff uh, mm-hmm. with it. Uh, leaks are starting to come in. Um, <coughs> there's also now they're doing this thing where some of the there's a Dominaria United commander set, and then there's a regular Dominaria United. So one is you know commander eternal format legal. Some stuff isn't. Um, but we're also losing a lot of stuff. Like for example, the pathways they're gone. Yeah, all the stuff from Zendikar, gone. Right. So we're really leaning on Neon Dynasty and Kamigawa. As like, because there wasn't a summer set, which is also really strange. So we yeah. have the two Innistrads, which have not made a mark on me. Like, there's some good cards. There's like Meat Hook Massacre and Brutal Cathar and stuff. But when I think of what's coming, I think of New Capenna and Neon Neon Dynasty much more. Yeah. Um. So we're losing a lot and we're gaining a little. Uh. Let's start with these Pain Lands. So losing Pathways, losing the Zendikar Double Face Lands. Losing the Kaldheim. Yeah, those mm-hmm. were pathways too, weren't they? So what mm-hmm. do you think of this, man? Yeah, I think uh, 
the pain lands in combination with the other triomes that exist now, uh, mana base is seeming still pretty darn good and standard. So, like, um, pick up your playsets of these because, like, uh, not only are they going to be integral to a lot of standard decks, um, I'm excited to see these in Explorer. Um, you know, and obviously a bridge into Pioneer as well, which doesn't really matter as much, but just having these these cards in in Explorer as well is going to be, I think, great for a, a wide variety of decks. Uh, a lot of those combo-ish type decks probably. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have Pain Lines back. And there are six of them, right? Like, yeah. so it's not all 10. It's kind of weird. Um, like, like the red white one is not there. Like just, Hey, those things are on the way, mm -hmm. uh, according to them in one of the upcoming sets. I know a lot of players have like freaked out, like, why are there only six? Well, I feel like the times that this has come up, we've gotten the other half in short order. Right. So like, um, especially like we've had times where it's just the allied or just the enemy, but when it's a mismatch quantity, almost always those gaps get filled in to your point though. We're still get, we still have the triumphs. Those still feel like the most important standard lands, mm -hmm. and it's hard. I like. I'm looking at what's gonna stay and what's here in the Dominaria United standard or the set, and it's already feeling like, wow. There's gonna be you're gonna play either Esper or Grixis. I can't remember what those yeah. uh, things are called, but like the Grixis Vampire deck is essentially gonna stay, and the Esper like the Esper deck is losing. The the angel, the squadron hawk angel. Yeah, yeah. And some lands, right? Like so it kind of just feels like something like uh any of these decks or any of these cards that play well with things like Tenacious Underdog are gonna matter quite a bit. Uh, also worth pointing out, in the past, when these have been the like singular most important lands, which I don't think they're going to be, because we have the Innistrad um reverse, whatever those things are called, where you have two and then if it's yep. the third lander later. So you still have those. Those are functionally better in standard, and then you have the triumphs. So I think these are going to be filling in some gaps. But when these are the main lands that are in the set or the format, burn aggro tends to be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Incidental life gain tends to be a little bit better. Don't overdo this, but it's just by this much, yeah. and that matters. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm not going to cover the lore with you, dude, but there is some Phyrexian <laughs> stuff happening here. So, you know, Phyrexians are back, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah I'm going to give you the good one, the one that's got me excited. Why don't you read for us Archangel of Wrath? Yeah, Archangel of Wrath. Uh, probably the most metal art we've seen so far from this set. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, we have uh, an angel that costs two colorless and a white, white with power and toughness three, four. Kicker, pay a swamp or a mountain. And then it has Flying Lifelink. Life when Archangel of Wrath enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, it deals two damage to any target. When it was, uh, if it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked twice, it deals two damage to any target. Uh, this is an awesome card. I mean, like, I, I love the idea of just being able to snipe certain things and then just have this 3-4 Lifelink body on it. Um, that's huge. Um... I like that there's flexibility with like what deck this could possibly go in with like an Esper route with the black or maybe a, a Jund route or not a Jund route, excuse me, a Mardu route or something like that with the red. Mm -hmm. So like super interesting card. Um, 
it's gonna it's it's definitely like a playable card, I think, in standard. So I'm wondering if this card by itself really shuts down the monocolor aggressive strategies. Because like say you're playing mono white and I'm able to kick this on turn five. Keep in mind the damage that it's dealing is lifelink damage. Oh yeah. So if I'm able to do this at five, kill a half your board and gain six life plus have this three four life linker, like the ceiling for this thing is nuts. Now, there is also this whole thing of there are, there have certainly been formats where this card would have been not good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we were just talking about wilderness reclamation, those kinds of standards where things are very much about setup and there's not a lot of loaded to the ground creature decks. Uh, this deck suddenly, this card starts looking very pedestrian. Yeah. If you're playing against a field of non-creatures and three, four creatures and things like that. So it, it's a very, very good card. Um, but I, I'm curious to see if it's actually going to see um, any play. Dude, not in the show notes. I can't believe I missed this. Liliana the Veil getting a reprint in this oh. set. Oh, I, um, that's awesome. Yeah. I. That was just some poor show note organizing on my part. But we knew going in that there was going to be a major Planeswalker reprint. And this is not, to be clear, this is going to be a standard legal Liliana Veil. This is not a, hey, it's yeah. uh, you know, on the list or whatever reprint of old cards that they do in set boosters and that kind of thing. Um, so Liliana the Veil, just to reintroduce, three mana Planeswalker loyalty, three. Plus one each player discards a card. Minus two target player sacks a creature. Minus six is the ultimate. Separate all permanents into two piles. That player has to sacrifice all the permanents in the pile of their choice. Um, so, stand, you went around when Liliana the Veil was in standard. Never right? in standard, yeah. So you only know her in the context of modern and... Legacy modern, Legacy. Yeah. So, standard she saw some play but keep in mind this was mostly the delver standard like delver mana leak jataxian probe yeah ponder snapcaster mage. so like there was also a really aggressive humans deck in her time um that with the play geist of saint traft which i think kind of started people's very bizarre love affair with <laughs> geist of saint traft um so point being is this is a good standard card. I would argue it's a better old format card. Um, but that being said, it's cool to see them reprint. Like, what's your thoughts on it, man? Yeah, I mean, like you said, like, I mean, there might be a standard deck where this exists and, you know, you make an opponent sacrifice a creature and it dies. Whatever, like, you know, three for that, that doesn't seem too bad. Um, but yeah, I, it's great to see them reprinting this for like the um for explorer like just to have that card and that sort of pedigree of of um of a card in 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 um explorer is exciting so i mean give them all to me man this is what i want i want all of these cards in, in on um arena yeah my guess is a two of in explorer jund that would be my yeah. guess yeah i don't know that because keep in mind, this paired with things like Lingering Souls, it's also quite good with Tarmogoyf. It's also very, very, very good with Bloodbraid Elf. So there's a lot of these things that are like kind of context sensitive. But I would say Liliana also has this kind of price memory thing where 
she was one of the best cards when Jund was the best card in modern. Yeah. And, you know, she can be very oppressive whenever she's good. I just, we'll see. Now, hey, dude, I'm, these show notes I made this morning, just kicking them to the curb. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. So here's the other card. I want you to read this. I want a live reaction to see what you think, because this card has been debated pretty significantly, whether it's going to see play in standard, modern, pioneer, go. All right. So cut down. It's an instant that costs one black and then destroy target creature with total power and toughness five or less. Ah, you know, interesting. Um, I mean, like all those two, three bodies, like that's not nothing. Like that's that's a lot of game on turns two and three where like this is actually a, a really, really good card. Um, but in terms of like a really strong mid-range standard where all of a sudden we got four fives or three fours, like maybe then it's a problem, right? But uh, instant speed removal, remor- like removing anything with, you know, a one four body, a two three body, that's that's not nothing. That's huge, actually. I like it, um, but it's definitely a iffy whether or not it's always going to be good. Yeah, it's not fatal push. No, no. Like, and it's probably not... Uh uh, the Blood Chiefs. Why can I never remember that card? Blood I always want to say Blood. Right. I always want to yeah. say Blood Chiefs Ascension, which is a different card. Um, when I first read this, I thought it said just with total toughness, mm. five or less. And I was like, "Y'all are crazy! This kills almost everything that I can think of." Right. Um, but the truth of the matter is, this is a sideboard card. Um, in mm-hmm. it might be better in older formats because. There are so many things that this gets, but even then, it doesn't get the really important things that you need to, right? Uh, how many of the modern elementals does this not get, you know, verse, mm-hmm. or, or how many does it get versus something like an Omnath, right? Uh, we're lucky Uro is banned because this would be stone unplayable in that yeah. scenario, right? But like, most of the time, these are things that I'm not looking to snipe. So like, especially modern and pioneer i've got fatal push i've got lightning bolt and modern these things are more efficient and more versatile and uh, yeah i i just i want to like this card more than i do you know yeah um it's gonna be a great limited card like oh you're gonna be able to clean up your opponent's early stuff and that's gonna be a blast but this feels like um Oh man, there was a there was a black black, an old Innistrad removal spell that was like it has it can kill a is a victim of the night can't be a vampire can't be a werewolf can't sure. be yeah and then you're like oh sweet well how often does that come up answer was all, all the, the time, time. <laughs> all the time and even cast down gives you problems yeah right yeah and uh, yes this is I think very much on the edge. Um, all right, let's just here. I'll just read new Karn. Cause I wanna I want you to help me understand this card. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cameron? Okay. Yeah. Four mana for a legendary planeswalker Karn. I feel like Karn is the planeswalker we've misevaluated the most. Like mm. the Karn in Dominaria I thought was gonna be bananas. It turned out to be okay. Yeah. The Karn that was in uh War of the Spark sees a ton of play. So what are you gonna do? Anyway, 
Uh, four loyalty, plus one. Create a tapped Power Stone token. It's an artifact that adds one colorless. This mana cannot be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. Minus one. Pay any amount of mana. Look at that many cards from the top of your library, then put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus seven. You get an emblem with tap an untapped artifact you control. This emblem deals one damage to any target. Is that just a bunch of nothing, or am I crazy? Uh, I feel like there is a combo here, and we're just not seeing it. Um, but, I mean, right? I mean, like, Karn decks. You're, you're generating a ton of mana through artifacts that generate mana. Like, you know, and so, like, you, maybe you're just building this giant thing to get to an Ugin where you can pay X amount of mana to find... Ugin to cast it right I don't know like I feel like there might be something there but it also just feels like you're just dancing around doing nothing while your opponent next turn is just going to destroy this and you have a power stone shard <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and like there's not been a lot of because what which there was a planeswalker a blue white planeswalker that created shard tokens as well remember mm -hmm. and it was just like way too dirty to be messing around with these permanents um and so this cool art i want to say i want it to be good but i just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and look we're probably going to get a lot of artifacts down the line and this is probably going to go from like a buck to 80 bucks <laughs> overnight and all sure. that stuff once the combo gets figured out but we just I mean, we're just not smart enough to see it cameron we're just mm -hmm. a couple of schmucks and we don't know but um. Anyway, Cameron, I want to get out of this segment, come back, and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, on your what we've been doing this week, it says Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> so lay it on me. I'm here for uh, it. So Paramount, for some reason, said, let's dive through a catalog of Nickelodeon, MTV, and all this. What do we have? We need content. And apparently they approached Mike Judge and recreated Beavis and Butthead. Uh, and um, I have a very complicated relationship with Beavis and Butthead. I have mad respect for Mike Judge, the creator of this, who's done some like incredible movies. And I think his level of satire and just kind of wit are um, very present in a lot of stuff that he creates. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, Beavis and Butthead in the context of 2022. Like, there's a new show. There was a new movie that had come out. Um, and then they also have the whole catalog of the 90s stuff. So as a kid growing up, I was never allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead, but I watched Beavis and Butthead all the time because it felt wrong, right? It felt like I was doing it was, something. It was forbidden. It was forbidden, right? And while I don't remember a lot of the actual cartoons, I do remember like the music videos in between that they used as filler. And that's where I discovered something like tool for the first time. And like, you know, so I have like this complicated relationship with like how it exposed me to certain parts of like my development for music and pop culture and that sort of thing. So revisiting Beavis and Butthead in 2022 is weird because the new show has like these like at, like little segments that they put in and they're just YouTube clips of like reaction videos of people getting into like Harvard or anything it, it's weird it, it it's like it's catering to that generation rather than catering to 
what it should, which is like I think the baby Gen X slash old millennial crowd that it was appealing towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird. And so like I guess that's my criticism of it is the stories or whatever. It's Beavis and Butthead. I felt like we all knew a few Beavis and Buttheads in our, our day. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I'm laughing at like all the dumb humor and, and, and you know – juvenile jokes like there's a lot of that stuff that still like speaks to me it's just weird that it's the way that they're approaching all the other things that it surrounds for pop culture it's for this generation's of pop culture and not the old millennial who wants um more tool music videos yeah well and I will say it is very popular to wear bands from the 90s t-shirts right now mm-hmm. um and so you'll see teenagers with nirvana shirts and pearl jam shirts and all sure. that and you're like you have no idea what any of this means um but i'm sure that's what people thought when i was wearing a led zeppelin shirt sure. you know yeah. Um, yeah. in high school <laughs> no like i think beavis and butt is more pronounced even in south park in that there were a lot of people that i went to high school with that watched it and didn't really get it mm. like and they mm-hmm. watched it a lot and they they just saw the crude humor and they did the commentary just you yeah. know sailed way past them and so yeah and again south parks was that was like late high school early college again yeah there was a lot of people that really had trouble grabbing on to the satire element of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and hey it is what it is i have like you, I, I love Beavis and Butt almost entirely because it put forward a lot of the music that I love. Yeah. Um, but the like the only episode that I really remember loving is there's an episode where they work at a fast food restaurant <laughs> and they throw a bunch of stuff into the fan. Yes. You know what I'm talking yep, about? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it's probably like the keynote episode of Beavis and Butt <laughs> Probably, right? Uh, but, you know, to me, it's there was stuff that was funnier later on, like, uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, oh, yeah. like yeah. even like more silly, like over the top, and uh, maybe maybe it was just too nerdy, silly for other people. But maybe yeah. I, I I think some of that stuff just kind of got eclipsed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I want to talk about Slay the Spire. So uh, like you, I kind of had like a super busy week, and I've been loving Hollow Knight. I have Elden Ring on the back burner. It's like. I'm in this mode where, same with Guardians of the Galaxy, I have these kind of like more invested experience games that are kind of on my back burner. And I've been actually working a ton on Magic in my evenings because I'm going to be playing in a big paper tournament probably in about a month in Standard. And so I have to actually get a lot of reps in, a lot of work in between here and there. But also, when I'm coming home from work and I'm really exhausted, I don't have it in me to play like a souls like at that moment mm, yeah for sure you know sometimes i want something that's a little bit more casual my arcade machines are great for that too um but slay the spire is my macaroni and cheese it is i can and i ultimately end up playing it longer than i would like hollow knight like i'll end up playing it for like an hour and a half or two hours but what if you're a magic player and you haven't like really jumped into slay here's what i would say it is the solitaire Magic the Gathering experience. If you are looking to play Magic the Gathering like in an evening, you don't know when you have to stop. You don't know how far you can really like push yourself into it. So like, you know, you don't want to enter like a 
you know, an, an event on Arena or an event on Magic Online because if you're like me, once you kind of get two wins in, you're like, I don't care if it's 11-15. I'm going, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas Slay, they have those, it has those kind of nice sweet spots where you're like, okay, I'm here on my run. I can stop. I can unlock new cards, whatever. Um, and especially with drafts, it kind of has replaced that for me in a lot of ways because draft is the one that it's like once I sit down to draft, I am guaranteed to be at the computer for three hours, and sometimes I don't want that to be the case. So anyway, Slay the Spire, if you don't know it, check it out. There's also a game called Monster Train that I liked as a card game as well, but it's a little less magic-y, um, but still quite good. Anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about conquering said spires, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We will check you guys next week.